okay to be who we are at work, to bring our whole self to work. Because when we do that, we have the confidence to be able to, to perform, to find out what we need to know, to learn, to develop, to grow, to contribute, to collaborate, because we're not trying to be perhaps somebody who we're not. This is a legit podcast. All right, welcome back to the It's Legit podcast where we're going to share with you just in time learning where you want to know how you can learn, how you can get ahead in the workplace and thrive in the world of work. Uh, today, my guest is Emma Mauger. She is actually a resident of this cool tiny island in the English channel uh, and it's called Guernsey itself, right? So I'm just going to bring Emma up right now so that she can introduce herself, right? To, and all of us can get to know her a little bit better. Hi, Emma. How are you today? Hi, I'm great, Ridwan. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm great. Okay, it's uh, it's pretty um, a nice day in Singapore over here. So what about there in Guernsey? How's everything over there? How's Europe's weather at this time of the year? Well, in our particular part of the world, we're in the English Channel. We're closer to France than we are to England, though. Um, it's a bit. It started to get a bit damp, um, and we can feel autumn setting in. But generally speaking, the summer here hasn't been fantastic. But it's been so variable across Europe. I know there have been um, some different types of weather that people have been experiencing. But yeah, Guernsey's about four miles by five, so quite small, as you said, tiny. Um, and about 65,000 people live here, so quite full, really. Hmm. Um, I've always traveled to one of my favorite destinations, is actually London. Actually, I, I, actually, I do yearly trips to London before COVID, and from there, I travel to different parts of Europe or wherever I feel like at the same time. Uh, so I, t I always travel across the English Channel, all right, to maybe France or Belgium or Holland and all that, right? And I always see these little islands and I always wanted to go there. So I think I'm going to put that in my list that the next time when we, all the travel restrictions are lifted, I'm going to have uh, to go to Guernsey and meet you personally, physically, yeah? <laughs> yes, please, do, do come. We were actually in Singapore um, several years ago, but it, sure. we haven't been back. But I do hear it's a really beautiful place. Yep, so but uh, maybe not right now let's get into uh, an important thing that we're going to share today uh, and why we are having this conversation. Uh, but perhaps before that, could you just uh, share a little bit about, you know, what you do and how do you get uh, to what you're doing right now? You know, what was your, what was your, um, what was your journey like? Yeah, absolutely. So based here, um, I run my own consultancy, Lucid, um, and I'm a coach, I'm a mediator, and also a facilitator. Um, so I work in the zone of communication, behavior, and conflict quite often. Um, and um, the reason I do what I do, the reason I love what I do, is because um, finding that sense of harmony, helping people to, to reach that place where they they have an acceptance and um, are motivated by the place that they hold in different systems. And that also that sense of inner harmony is something that, that I feel really strongly about because from that place, um, so many things are possible. That's when we're really in our, in our element and in our zone. But harmony isn't a point that we ever just find. It's something that, that often will go out of kilter, um, you know, quite, quite often actually through life's changes. Um, so it's never really an end point. Um, and the work that I do is often in, in helping people to re refine that. 
So it's always about finding, um, I think from some some of the things that you shared, a little bit about finding what's your inner peace and harmony and accepting the situation as it is, uh, wherever you are, so that you can be, become the best, you know, you can just be yourself in these environments. Uh, something that uh, might not always uh, be a constant, it's always uh, changing. Is that uh, something that uh, happens to us? Absolutely. Yes, it does. It changes for many different reasons, but as we change all, all the way through life, um, so does that sense of whether we feel in balance, really. I always kind of think a good metaphor is that orchestra. When you think of an orchestra and um, when everything's in tune, um, that's really what we're talking about. It's it's how we get to that point where where everything sounds, where you can hear the melody and it all sounds like it should. Yeah. When nothing's off tune itself and everything looks very fine and, and the orchestra all plays, everyone plays the musical notes at exactly at the right place at the right time. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, lovely analogy. I really, really liked that itself. Because I think that this uh, podcast that we are that I'm hosting with you right now, it's going out to a lot of young people, people who have just graduated from university. For many of them, they could have spent like almost all day almost the entire lives or at least half of their lives right now in the in school where it is a little bit more sheltered and then they go to a place of work they go to they're excited finally i wear my graduation hat right and um and i go to the world of work and uh, it's a new environment i can't wait to work right but they have also heard many people saying that you know the once you start working you can't you will miss all the all the schooling days and you wish things will just go back itself and so i think they will have different expectations of what is uh what is work like? How's the world of work like? And many of them could fall short of the expectations itself. So maybe you can just ask yourself, what is one advice you have for these young people as they go and enter the world of work? How do you find harmony or acceptance in the workplace itself, especially something new in, in a new environment where you know you are trying to impress your boss, you're getting to know your colleagues, you are still not sure, you know, how well you are doing, you know, in your place of work itself. Okay, so yeah, how do we to find how do we find that that harmony in a completely different environment, right? Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. so we go through the interview process, and we probably think we get a good sense of of what it's going to be like. Sure. But we never do, do we? Because we step in, and, and there's lots of people, and lots of different teams, and lots of different ways of functioning. Um, and I think it, it can feel really foreign. I do remember my first my first job and thinking, oh my gosh, it you know, there's so much I don't know. And the reality is, we know that it takes six months really for somebody to really settle in, get their feet under the table, work out what they're supposed to be doing, how they fit with everybody else. So I think. Um, a really kind of a first place is to observe and just get give yourself time to get settled in um because it does take that it, you know and i think math yeah yeah absolutely so um one of the ways um to to think about fitting into organizations and finding that sense of harmony is coming back to that sense that actually as human beings the thing we thrive on most is relationships with other people you know that sense of connection and that sense of fit really comes from um how we get to know other people how we become part of of a community and regardless of whether it's it's education whether it's school whether it's work whether it's 
a community group, whatever it is, it's the, it's the same, essentially. It's how we build those relationships. So what can happen in the world of work sometimes when we start a new job is we forget that we're allowed to invest time in building those relationships with other people. So, um, so really having a bit of um, commitment, I suppose, to thinking, do you know what, I'm going to spend, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of my day, not necessarily all at once, talking to somebody new. Um, making making an introduction to somebody who I don't know, but, you know, to, to help myself to fit in. So I think being quite um, purposeful in, in developing relationships and, and getting to know people helps settle things quite quickly. It's a, it's a very basic human need, isn't it? That we want to uh, fit in and we want to connect with others and a safe space uh, for me to be myself. So... I think that yeah. sometimes we forget, especially in the uh, first days of work, we feel that we need to impress people, we need to do our job, then we sometimes forget that, you know, it's all about um, going back to the basics of um, connecting with others itself. Absolutely, yeah. it is. And some organisations are really good at um, putting mm -hmm. in place a framework for that to happen, but it doesn't, it's not always the case. So I think taking some ownership of that ourselves, it is within our control, it's something we can very much control when we when we start working somewhere, can really help us to, to find a sense of, of place. But also, if you've got any questions, then we've got people who we we might be able to lean on a little bit too. So it's a, it's kind of like a support system that we build for ourselves. And uh, it's uh, it's on us to go and, and approach people whom, and sometimes people, we might be a bit afraid of approaching our seniors, our colleagues who have been there before us. But maybe we can just go back to the simple basics of, you know, um, just introducing ourselves, okay, and being open to, you know, uh, to connecting with others. And sometimes we forget that, especially when yeah. we are we are thrown. Yeah, and, and noticing the opportunities to do it. It doesn't always need to be um, an organised coffee or anything like that. It can literally just be you notice somebody in the street, you're walking towards the same building, or you arrive at a meeting early, and there's an opportunity then to have a conversation that perhaps wouldn't have happened. I've also heard uh, recently, especially in the last two years, uh, especially in the work circles, people have been talk talking about a lot about it, especially a lot of mental wellness and mental health experts has been actually advocating about this idea of um, having uh, creating safe space for others itself, right? And um, I was just wondering if you could just enlighten me, what's this concept of what safe space what do you mean by uh, psychological safe space itself? Yeah, sure. So psychological safety um, was a term that Amy Edmondson identified in the first um, paper she wrote about this subject, which I think was in the late 90s. Um, and she went on to, to write a book called The Fearless Organisation, which I would really recommend people to read. What she identified really was that um, workplaces that perform really well um, seem to have this sense of psychological safety and she delved into what that really seemed to mean and, and in a nutshell for me what I've taken from it it's all it's it's an organization where it's okay to be who we are at work to bring our whole self to work because when we do that we have the confidence to be able to to perform to find out what we need to know to learn to develop to grow to contribute to collaborate because we're not trying to be perhaps somebody who we're not. So it, it's it's when we can um, feel as though it's safe enough 
to to be authentic in the workplace. Um, and I think one of the really interesting things about this area for me is, is over the years, you've heard people talk quite separately um, about work and home life or work and personal life. Um, so things like work-life balance, do they fit? Mm. And as a coach, that's an area that comes up pretty much with every client in some way, shape or form. Work-life balance, how does that how does that come to be? Or we might hear people say, for that meeting, I really need my work suit on today. Um, yeah. and, and it's almost as though we, we've been living in this, this world where actually these two things need to be kept, kept apart and kept separately. Um, but actually, what psychological safety is pushing, kind of knocking at the door at really, I think, is this sense of integration. You know why it's better that, that we're who we are wherever we are whether that's work home school community whatever that is that, that we're, we're our authentic selves i mean we are moving away a lot from the idea of work-life balance to work-life integration itself like i'll give you an example over here in asia itself uh, um maybe it's also across the world itself when you have a zoom meeting itself right it's very common that in a lot of the Zoom meetings, right, is that the, a lot of our colleagues, right, will have their uh, children as part of the Zoom meeting as well. And sometimes a, a kid will pop up, a dog will pop up, another kid will pop up, you know, and it's, this, it's totally fine. And I think that the world's moving towards, moving away from, you know, keeping it separate, okay, be professional, okay, don't mix uh, work with uh, your life itself, to being uh, accepting people that, you know, uh, perhaps work, can be a part of your life as well. And life can be a part of your work as well. Uh, one of my friends actually kind of shared that, you know, now that we are working at home, we need to also um, be mindful of our boundaries because it, does, it feels like work never ends, right? He says that you don't actually work from home. You actually now stay at your workplace itself, which is kind of like an interesting analogy that, uh, that I heard itself. So I was just wondering itself when we talked about um, letting people be themselves wherever they are, whenever they are, um, I think one of the things that uh, it's pretty daunting is for someone who is new um, in, into the workplace and you meet colleagues who are more experienced than you, who have more accolades than you, who are older than you, and you feel a little bit afraid mm -hmm. right, of being yourself itself. What are some um, one or two advice or tips that can you can you share? How do you, you know, find that place of safety in a workplace where you know you feel that um, I need to you know, impress people? Mm, so how do we find that sense of safety? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so firstly, I guess it's who's responsible for creating this culture of safety, right? Do we yeah. walk in and expect to find it? Well, I think we hope to. Um, but actually, at the end of the day, what we know about organisational cultures is we all contribute to them. So, so there's something that we can all do. And obviously, um, the, the leadership team in an organization has a quite a, a sense of power in relation to the culture, absolutely. Um, but yeah, there are things that we can do to, to um, express, I guess, if you like, that, that sense of safety. So, so, you know, what are they? Well, I think one of the things that we can do is to be really inquisitive and curious you know, when we, when we start an organisation, being really clear about what we know, what we don't know, that we want to learn, but how we do all of that is often by asking questions, um, giving other people a chance to open up to us, um, because a question always shows that we're interested in the response. A question always shows that we want to listen, that we want to learn. 
Um, so curiosity, I think, is is a really great place to start when it comes to thinking about helping to, to create that sense of safety. Um, I think another thing is, is kind of almost leaning into this area of helping people to, to build a trusting relationship with us. So how do we make people feel safe? Well, one, one way is how we kind of conduct ourselves, if you like, at work. So things like if somebody shares something with us that seems to have been in confidence, it's making sure that we're mindful of keeping that confidence and remembering that that was the scenario that it was shared with us in. Um, so that that we're not talking about it beyond that that relationship, that's quite important. So so making sure that that we conduct ourselves in a way that makes other people feel safe around us and shows that they can trust us with what they're sharing with us too. It was really interesting that you know you need to be able to you know uh, show people by being the first to trust and show people and in order for you to be able to um to feel safe itself or allow people to let you in it is first to be able to show them that you know what kind of person you are through your example rather than just you know your words itself so i think that was um yeah. that was something interesting that you uh, raised it uh, over there i think also you know even things yeah. like showing that we care about other people you know mm. Are you okay today? You know, any concerns? Can I help you? Do you need any support? All of these things, you know, yes, they help to build good relationships, but they also show that we're tuned into the fact that we're an interdependent group of people. You know, my success here depends on your success here. So how, what can I do that, that's, that's going to help you? And these sorts of behaviours just send ripples. They really do. Yeah, interesting. So I think it's a very something very subtle, something that we sometimes overlooked, something that we are maybe our moms and dads were the ones who taught us when we were young, right? Uh, but you know, it really goes a, a long way to create that safe space. And I like the idea that you say it, it sends ripples that you know it's the small things that makes a big difference itself, right? About like you know, just caring for others itself. Um, what about if we flip it on the other side? If you know, I'm just thinking like, you know, if you're already seasoned as a worker, you know, in the office and all that, how do we, or even in our interactions with others itself, how do we create safe space to someone who is new to the group? Uh, what what would you what would you advise would be the best way to do that? Mm. So I think often we are we when we've been somewhere for a while. Sure. We almost don't see the amount we know. We don't appreciate the amount of, of knowledge, of experience that we have. There's a lot of wisdom we can pass on to others. Mm. Um, and I think being generous with what we know, um, being generous with our wisdom, you know, for, for the use it has, I think is 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 quite helpful. Um to, to people who are coming with with no sense of context and I think to find your place in any system you have to understand history you have to understand um, just ways of doing things it, it really helps so so I think sharing is certainly one and I think also being mindful number two would be being mindful that we don't pass on perhaps any judgments that we have about whatever whatever ha is happening in the organization or perhaps even other people, we don't pass on our judgments 
to others because it isn't very helpful you know our, our work with other people has to very much rely on our experience of working with them not other people's um so yeah perhaps being mindful of our own bias and not passing that on would be number two mm. Mm, this is an interesting one because i think that a lot of people the they kind of dis- they stop com- communicating, they don't share a piece of themselves when they feel that they are being judged by others itself. How do we remind ourselves, right, you know, to stop judge- judging others? Because I think that there's so much information that we are absorbing every minute in the workplace itself that, you know, sometimes these biases and these judgments, right, are automatic for us. So how do we be more mindful of the judgments that we pass on others as we interact with them? It's mm, a really big question, isn't it? Um, yeah. you know, we all have, whether we know it or not, whether we have delved into it or not, we all have different forms of bias, different forms of judgment for lots of reasons that we don't need to go into now. But how do we know when we're, when those are coming into play? Yeah. Well, um, I think sometimes when we stop listening, if we're, if we're in a conversation with somebody and we're, we stop listening because the chat already is telling us well, of course they should do this, or why haven't they done that? <laughs> we're all of a sudden we're jumping to a judgment that's come from somewhere. So yeah. how do we stop doing that? I think it's by that lovely term that in clean coaching is called exquisite listening, where we're really focusing on the person in front of us and what they have to say and what their experience is, and perhaps even how they're feeling, so that we can build some empathy because we all have a slightly different way of seeing things. We all have a different map of the world based on our experience, our upbringing, our culture, all these different different types of things. And of course it would always be different to somebody else's. So um, I think exquisite listening is, is really helpful to pull us back from um, acting on a judgment, um, even if we're only acting on it here. Hmm. Hmm. So it's being present in the moment and uh, not uh, focusing on, okay, what's uh, on any agenda that you have and not focusing on like, you know, any prior information. It's just being present with the person in the moment, just focusing on that, what this person has to offer, right? And then you realize that, you know, you let go of a little bit of this judgment itself. Is that, uh, is, yeah. would that be, how does that sound to you? <laughs> yeah, I think that's absolutely it, isn't it? And like you say, yeah. it's, you know, if if we've inherited a bit of information from, from somebody else, you know, it's really challenging ourselves on that. You know, for example, I could have worked with somebody two years ago and mm. had a bad experience. You could work with that person today, think that she's fantastic, um, you know, but perhaps when I was working with her, there was something really traumatic going on in her life that I didn't know about, whatever, you know. I, it's really important that we don't base other people's judgments and inherit those in 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 what we're doing with, with somebody else. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good reminder. So because I think sometimes we go into a, a certain scenario, hearing about what people have said and not really experience that person itself or the person's perspective itself. So that you know there are some preconceived notions of what is going to happen or how is the person going to react, you know, and we make our own conclusions itself. So I think sometimes we need to let go of that conclusion, you know, just be curious. I think one of the things that you shared earlier is about being curious about that person and being present with that person itself. Yeah, um, I think that's really, that's really lovely uh, reminder. Uh, but I also hear that you also uh, work as a mediator itself. So maybe can I just ask you what are the most common conflicts that you think that you have, you have seen that happen in the workplace? 
Mm. Yeah, great question. I mean, most most conflicts that reach me as a mediator tend yeah. to have got to the point where there's been a communication breakdown. Because as mediators, what we essentially do is facilitate um, the 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 opening up of communication. And sometimes that's a very gradual and extremely sensitive process for people. But usually when we're in that zone, yeah, there, there's there's been a breakdown in some way, shape or form. And the people involved, for whatever reason, um, are unable to, to reach an, a, an agreement or, or a way forward. Um, why does that happen? Why does that happen? So often um, it's about interpersonal difference. It's about um, us preferring to communicate and behave in different ways. When conflicts get quite muddy, it's go gone beyond disagreeing over a task or disagreeing over something that has to get done in some way, shape or form. And it's moved into how we are, the world of how we are. And that's often what we see when things get quite muddy. Um, so anything that we can do to understand different personalities, different styles of communication and, and, and our own, and then how we flex and adjust to that is really rich information for us. Because all of a sudden we can depersonalize behaviors or styles that don't usually sit well with us we work out how to depersonalize that yeah, so we don't take it personally and by understanding that we are all made differently we are all wired differently and um and sometimes i think the most difficult portion is to accept that someone's different from us uh how do you do that how do you accept that you know someone's different from us uh and so, so that we are able to you know uh to see their point of view itself and you know especially if we feel uh certain feel for certain things very strongly based on our upbringing or environment itself. how do we accept that people are very vastly different from us mm. so well there, there's it's a, big, it's a big subject but one of the things yeah. that in the areas of work that, that I cover which you know about is this sense yeah. of our emotional response to things so yeah. um, you know our emotions very much when we see um, a situation which triggers us in some way our emotions can really take flight and almost lead communication and coming back to, to when things get into the conflict zone unfortunately if we're reacting to situations in in the instant and not actually using the whole of our brain um, rather than responding which is quite different to reacting isn't it because when we respond we step back we think we move forward having really engaged all of ourselves in that um we can we can almost communicate in a way that's going to be more productive to, to whatever the situation is and really when we meet any form of difference why not be curious you know at the end of the day um it, you know that's the value is is embracing what is what I hadn't thought about, what I hadn't seen, what I didn't know, and working out how that can make whatever we're doing even better. Um, and moving into the zone of, of co-creating and innovating and collaborating through difference to create a better result. Sure. So it's really about how you can move um, from uh, a competitive, uh, like who's right, 
it's not a competition where about who's right and who's wrong, but how we both uh, can give the right answer, maybe collaborate and be curious about each other and we can exchange ideas together so that we can create something more. You know, often, and this also happens in the zone of conflict, mm. you know, we get into a position where we think I'm right, you're wrong, and somehow I need to prove that. Or we get into a position where we're really entrenched and digging our heels in, into what we think because we feel under threat or, or whatever may be going on. Um, and actually, difference is about understanding that there is no right or wrong, um, because what's right for me might not be right for somebody else. But also when we start to collaborate, amazing things can happen. So much energy can come from that. Um, and so, so many, um, the word diverse again, but diverse ways of thinking and different perspectives makes yeah, things really exciting agreed i think that's uh even though like the you know sometimes there are many right answers and there are many paths in order for us to get to our goal itself and sometimes we by you know by just insisting that we are right you know we block all these other ideas that could you know uh, create more opportunities for us so i think that's a great reminder itself I think the world of work is really exciting today yeah. i really do i think there are so yeah. many different opportunities um, there, you know, there's difference in, I know the work you do in terms of looking at the different generations, the different levels of diversity and different, you know, that, that people will experience in, in the workplace. It makes it very exciting. So it's whether we meet that with um, a curious mindset, we're back to curiosity, mm. or whether perhaps we feel a bit threatened by it, or maybe it's a bit of both, but that's okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I agree that, uh, you know, there's so many opportunities itself. And, you know, and sometimes a very, sing a very simple thing like being curious and replacing that, you know, that emotion of uh, being right or being um, being the one to, to take control of something that like we always want to be able to control everything around us. I mean, it's human nature. Mm -hmm. But sometimes being curious, right, can really um, shift the perspective, right, and shift the conversation uh, to something yeah. more productive, right? Yeah, and focusing on that outcome, on the result that everybody wants, yeah. and letting go of that that kind of ego-driven, but I want to be the one who has come up with that, or I want to be the one who has proven that, or I want to be the one whose idea everyone runs with, whatever that is. It's letting go of that, um, and sometimes encouraging others to let go of it too, and just checking ourselves, you know, why is that important to me? Yeah, so it's a good reminder. And sometimes when, especially uh, when we are very passionate about a certain topic, about a certain idea, we've all put in hard work in uh, delivering a certain presentation, for example. And when someone gives us a different opinion about it uh, or challenges us, and sometimes, you know, it, it puts us into that, uh, that flight, fight or flight mode. That, you know, I need to be right. I need to fight you, right? But sometimes it's about letting go of like that and to see the... the area the topic from another person's perspective and uh, that's where I think you know replacing I think one of the things that we have learned today is like replacing um, your emotions with the questions uh, what's the person thinking or why is he saying it like that and wanting to find out more I think that's really very powerful in, especially in having conversations and we will have conversations where we will not always be in a collaboration or not always agree with each other so I think it's important to uh, agree to disagree without being disagreeable about it yeah and this takes practice right i mean i think that's the other thing if we're entering the workplace mm. you know for the first time or you know fairly new to it we're going to experience all of this ourselves where 
like you say, we've perhaps worked on something that was our baby. We've been nurturing it, looking after it. We're closest to it and we get some challenge on it and we don't like that. And then, you know, all sorts of things can happen. Um, conflict will absolutely come up in the workplace. It does all of the time. The difficulty is, is that people aren't um, in this area developed at, in schools, in the workplace, conflict and how we deal with conflict and build our conflict competence isn't necessarily something people focus on. But it is an area where people mostly feel distinctly uncomfortable um, and, and that we can all get better at, but it takes practice. So it will come up. We will have to learn through it. We will look back and think, how could I have done that differently? It's all good learning. And part of that process is also about making mistakes. The first time we get into a conflict, right? And sometimes we don't get survive it and we, it gets, uh, we get affected by it, right? The first time that you get scolded by your boss, this the first time a client screams in your face, right? Are all part of the process itself, right? But it's all about learning. And when you know better, I think, I think you can do better as well. Yeah, we build our resilience, don't we, mm. at the end of the day? Right. Great, great. Then one last thing that I just wanted to ask you is this, is that uh, so with that conflict itself, I think one of the things that, that I think many people will have to go through in, in, the, in the world of work as they go through their careers is to have difficult conversations, right? So sometimes we need to have these difficult conversations, whether it is telling your boss, I'm not able to do certain things because of certain prayer obligation or saying no. To others when you know you know i think one of the key things that um, especially when you're young and hungry and energetic you want to say yes to everything but that's not really uh productive and useful for the long term or even even for your uh, peace of mind right so i was just wondering how do you think is the best way that we can manage uh difficult conversations with others what's the what's the secret sauce or secret ingredient to managing difficult conversations Hmm. Yeah. So, so some 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 tips. But I think the most important thing is we find our own way through these things because we'll all be slightly different in a conflict. But sure. yeah, I think that the biggest thing when we come under this sense of threat is we want to either jump in and protect ourselves, or perhaps we want to run away and 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 sit somewhere quietly and and it's it's more you know more, more of a kind of fear flight response i think the reality is at the end of the day to to just pause and really think about how we are in the conflict because if we're having a conversation that we've recognized as being tough the first thing is to notice that it might not actually even be tough for the other person but for some reason, it's triggered us. You know, we, we think it's difficult. Now, if we're thinking it's difficult, it's likely that we've got some emotional drivers happening there. So we need to be able to understand what those are. So a, a good place to start is sticking with the facts. What's happened factually? What's happened? And, you know, what's, what's a good outcome going to look like? What would the purpose of an interaction about this thing actually lead to? So, so Sticking to some facts that we can hold on to is, is quite a good place to start. Recognising the emotions that have come up for us, perhaps writing them down, just seeing them can, can almost kind of detach us from them a little bit um, and just make us aware of, of what's coming up for us. Dealing with a conflict and starting to communicate about it if we feel like we've been triggered in some way isn't ideal. So if it's possible to come back to the conversation 
um, call a timeout, come back to the conversation when you're feeling a bit more um, in a positive place can be helpful but it's not always possible to to call a timeout particularly if it's with someone who's perhaps a bit more senior people might not feel able to do that so so some good deep breathing um and also some sort of um good listening skills of really trying to understand what the other person is saying the facts of what they are saying and I often say to people write it down if you're having a conflict with somebody and you're trying to understand what they're getting to the act of just writing it down slows the conversation takes the pace out of it you've got some thinking time you can work out what it is that you're really hearing and then you can repeat that back, you know. So if we're in this conversation, so so Ridwan, you seem to be a bit um, annoyed or whatever it is I might be noticing, you know, I'm, the, the fact that this hasn't happened is a problem, right? Have I got this right? And then repeating it back. Because often when we repeat it back, what we hear is actually, no, I wasn't talking about that. The bit that, that I'm not happy with is over here. Um, so it's making sure that we're getting to the facts of the disagreement. Mm, wow, that's so many nuggets over there. So I think that uh, one of the things that you shared is really about clar clar clarifying the emotions that you observe and to replay it back to the person so you get uh, some clarity instead of assuming the worst of that person itself. And perhaps uh, from that conversation, it's, uh, you know, it either validates, yes, it's uh, I'm right, or maybe it, it's not, we are not on the same page. And then and you might be prejudging me itself. Uh, that kind of clarity uh, will help the, you know, um, ease the tension in the conversation itself. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, being really aware of body language as well is the mm -hmm. only, the kind of final tip, I think, because our body language... Yeah is you know and, and there are lots of yardsticks in terms of research but but it's it's got a really huge and significant the most significant factor in in what people understand from our communication so if our body language is nice and open and we've got good eye contact and we're having a conversation that 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 is with open body language that puts us in a good place to to hear to breathe um and to to sit and and really engage if we start to hunch if we start to um perhaps tip forward all of a sudden we can't breathe that's affecting the oxygen flow to our brain we're not perhaps thinking as clearly we're showing some defensive um communication really in our body language that's going to impact on on the nature of the conversation so body language is is quite important as is tone of voice if I say to you, I'm not going to do that, compared to I'm not going to do that, compared to I'm not doing that, you know, all of these things in tone have quite a different inference when we're hearing them. These are some things that we don't take lightly because we don't communicate. Sometimes we don't communicate um, with a mirror in front of us. So we are not able to be mindful of this, but I think that as we become aware of like the tone, it goes on others. And I think this is also something, right, that actually, uh, especially virtually, uh, one interesting insight that I have is that the idea of tone of voice, right, can also um, trickle over when we actually communicate virtually, like on text itself, on WhatsApp itself, or on emails, where sometimes we can sense a certain tone, right? And like, for example, uh, this, is, uh, this is something that is very common. 
um, the how someone when you know when someone writes I have ever had this email and uh, before uh, where I I accidentally wrote that email in ca all capital letters right and then someone asked me what's wrong did, did I do something wrong and I was like no I was like very cheerful about it I realized that tone of voice whether virtually or face to face it really makes a lot of difference itself and something that we kind of like um, take for granted uh, we don't we're not very mindful of that yeah yeah so how do you you know when you're thinking about that difference how do you think that whether it's teams chats or emails or messages or, or whatever how do you think they impact on relationships at work mm, i think it comes from like i think there are, there are there's like so many different types of communication when you go to emails and work and so and also different people will have like different modes of like, you know, some people will prefer to just keep it to the email. Some people will spam the WhatsApp chat and then they will just keep on checking on you and all that. So I think that there's so many dynamics today. We have so many modes of communication that it's so, sometimes it can be quite challenging, right, to just track it, okay? And someone said, you know, I always have this problem where hey, uh, you said something to me about a certain uh, topic that I need to do or a certain issue that I need to handle, but where do you write it? Do you write it in the email, in the WhatsApp? Right, and just and sometimes it's you know there's so much information there's so so much so much stimulus for all of us that you know we just keep lo losing track of everything how can we then declutter all that okay and be more uh sussing and specific in our communication that's key to be able to yeah. deliver a message across yeah yeah and if we go back to this where we started really mm. which is you know, how do we build relationships well yeah actually it's, we can't build relationships on email or through a chat because there's no okay. to and fro it's yeah. it's very it's going to be very one way in to a certain yeah. extent so actually it's by looking at each other and by experiencing the body language and the non-verbals and giving ourselves the opportunity like this to get the context of the other person that's how we're going to build relationships quickly. And if actually it's about settling into to organizations as quickly as possible, large or small, it's this stuff that really helps that to happen. Um, so it's having that multi-channel awareness, isn't it? And, and being yeah. a way of being comfortable in all of it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I think that, yeah, if ever, you know, someone has ever told me before that, you know, that, you know, sometimes what we want to communicate over text, right, it, it, it's not your real intent. It's, it, it's not effective itself. Okay? And the easiest thing that you can do is to pick up the phone or just meet face to face in order for you to be able to de-conflict or get your message across clearly. Yeah. 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 And actually, at the end of the day, collaborate, which is what we know most organizations want to do. You know, we, we want people to collaborate. Mm. Uh, collaboration is really the key. I think what it's uh what used to be last time. I think people uh used to gloat right in in owning things, uh keeping information. But today's uh, the real currency of the workplace of of influence is really about sharing as much information as possible. It's about collaboration. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly, and even sharing things with colleagues that's, hap that's happening in the industry or, or out there that they haven't picked up on. All of this stuff, people value it. People value that. Mm. Interesting. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I think Thanks. just one last question that we maybe can ask you is this, right? Is that uh, what advice then would you have, right, for our young and eager and enthusiastic um, 
graduates who are just going into the world of work and what advice would you have for them in finding their place okay in uh, in this next phase of life itself mm. I think the first bit is go for it and be yourself <laughs> because there's huge power in who we are and one of the things I notice in in my work particularly in coaching and facilitation is people often feel like there's something about them that needs to change that's not good enough you know and as, as, as human beings this sense of improving 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 is always there but there is an absolute strength and understanding who we are and and what we have to bring and what we have to offer we are each unique we're each individuals and we each have something really important to bring um, and I think we don't pause often enough to realize what that is um, so understanding that strength you know and 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 how that develops as we move on and progress is so powerful Mm, so it's to be yourself and also to recognize your strengths and see how we are able to better connect with others uh, and together collaborate in order for us to be able to, you know, each value ourselves. Like what I think one of the things that you mentioned before was that, you know, how we can live so that uh, my success depends on your success and your success depends on my success. Yes. And to know that we have to be self-aware enough to know who we are and what we bring. And then also therefore perhaps what, what we don't but look at this person over here because they've got it so how can we how can we bring all of this together so self-awareness um is is an amazing strength for people to have and that's something that that we keep learning i don't think we ever really get there fully but we keep learning the first step towards learning and living a better life is just being aware self-aware mm -hmm. of uh, who you are and how you uh, make an impact to the people around you and I think that creates a ripple effect around us as well. So thank you, Emma, for your uh, kind words and uh, sharing this uh, this lovely evening. I mean, it's evening over here in Asia, but I think it's just uh, in the afternoon, right? In uh, yeah, it's 20 past four here. So um, yeah, it's been a really good chat. <laughs>